I do not permit women to teach nor usurp authority. That's Alexandria, and she applied for an apartment today. And that's Kira, and she put a deposit down on an apartment today. We're going to have houses, not houses, we're going to have places to lie our heads in law school. 510 square feet of Philadelphia, <laughs> here I come. I don't remember how much mine divided into is, but I will have a chunk of D.C. <laughs> I will pay taxes and not have a representative, just like I asked for. <laughs> It's so good. We'll fix it someday. We're adults. Hey, guys, and welcome to another episode of Overreaction, where we share our knowledge and react to different topics every week. Today, we are going to talk about trauma bonding. And by we, I mean mostly Alexandria. So I don't know how to talk about anything that's not related to trauma right now. So, and this is so this is something I'm going to read from an article that's called Nine Signs of Traumatic Bonding Bonded to the Abuser by Tamara Hill. Um, what does LPC mean? Licensed. That was all the further that I something counselor. Um, so this is, I used to do a group with, um, women who were in a substance use, like licensed professional counselor. Oh, thank you. I would not have come up with the word professional. Um, cause I am not one. <laughs> um, so women who usually women who would like had their kids taken away and had a substance use um, problem and they were like in this treatment program. Mm -hmm. And so once a week I would go in the evening and do like a support group with them because it's statistically the likelihood of someone who has a woman who has a substance abuse problem also having experienced domestic violence is very high. Something like 93 percent. Not causal correlate yeah yeah usually the substance use is a result of the yeah. domestic violence yeah. um so we would talk a lot about um i mean usually we did a lot of art therapy but every once in a while i would pull this it is <laughs> it's so helpful and honestly people you can get some real stuff done with art therapy mm -hmm. but um, it also feels accessible yeah you don't have to really get into things publicly right off the bat right um so every once in a while we would do like an educational group like this is what the cycle of abuse is or this is the power and control wheel and then sometimes when it would come up in conversations like well i have a really hard time like not going back to him or i really really love him and i don't understand why i feel this way i would pull out this article because it's just so helpful mm -hmm. so trauma bonding what is it tell me um it's a so this article is mostly written about child abuse but it applies to like all different types of abusive relationships mm -hmm. um so this type of bonding happens when someone experiences periods of positive experience alternating with episodes of abuse so when you experience like the positive extreme and then also the negative extreme from the same person mm -hmm. um you can become kind of like codependent so some people will compare this to like a hostage situation and it's a little different than an actual hostage. Um, Are we talking like Stockholm syndrome? Type? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, kind of. 
Yeah. So like you're stuck there, but not every experience you have with this person is negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a child, it says you have a pre-existing caregiving relationship with your parent. Mm-hmm. And in a romantic relationship, you have a pre-existing. It's not caregiving, but it's like a nurturing, loving, yeah. like um, a mutual. I don't care. <laughs> yes. Um, so. Although it doesn't make a lot of sense for someone to bond with the person who's abusing them. Like it's hard to when caregiving and love and nurturing gets combined with abuse in the same relationship, Mm -hmm. it gets really hard to separate those two things out. Sure. So that's what trauma bonding is. It's when you bond with the person traumatizing you basically. Um, So it happens partly because of um, the like almost dual relationship kind of, um, and then it also will, um, I lost my place. So (laughs) it's, um, so someone who's trauma bonded to their abuser will almost like need their abuser's love and affection to like crave their approval. And it's not, it's like not enough to get love from somewhere else like you need it from that specific person mm-hmm. when you're trauma bonded to them which is like a huge reason like why someone doesn't leave or why sure. um as adults people who are like oh well yeah my parents abused me when i was a kid like they still talk to their parents they still go home for holidays they mm-hmm. have what seems like a functioning relationship with them um but like there's a there's a trauma bond there and they're like craving the approval that they didn't get as a child or that they got like intermittently so what does trauma bonding look like i'm gonna tell you kira thanks for asking please do um so there's nine different signs that this article talks about one is over identifying with the abuser so things like saying like this person does this to me, but then also saying like, oh, but we have such a good time and we laugh a lot when we're together. And, um, he's a really good dad. Mm hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, because there's conflicting emotions. Like this person is really, really great sometimes. And then also horrible. And so mm-hmm. like you kind of, every time you say something bad, you feel like you have to say something good. Yeah. Um, feeling indebted to the abuser. So, some people who are abused have a sense of gratitude to the abusive individual because usually there's something they've done for them. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the cycle of abuse and how it mm-hmm. starts with the honeymoon phase and they're really kind and they take care of things for you and it's really great. So you're like, well, they did all these things for me. They must love me. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of that comes from like things that the abuser says too. Like a lot of times I'll hear survivors talk about it or not survivors, but like abusers say to survivors in like a courtroom or something like that. Well, like, well, you wouldn't have a home if it wasn't for me because mm-hmm. I paid the lease or you wouldn't have ever had that job because I gave you that car. And it's, I mean, those are helpful things like having a place to live, having yeah. a car, having like somebody to care for your children while you're out, like helpful, helpful things. But when they're it's complicated when it's like that's helpful, but maybe it's also being used as a manipulative tool or mm-hmm. something for the sake of power and control. Like, I've lived with someone and paid the majority of the rent when they couldn't. Mm-hmm. I've co-signed a car for someone as the primary. Si- didn't know I was doing it, but <laughs> as the primary signer, 
Like those are things you do sometimes, sometimes to help out the people you love when it's something that's like not going to harm you, Sure. but you don't then like turn around and try to control that person. (laughs) Yeah. Um, number three is feeling like that person needs you. So feeling like you owe them something or you become dedicated to like helping them get better. As though the abuser needs you. Yep. Okay. Like this person's really struggling and they've been through a lot and I'm helping them get better. Kind of like when every once in a while I'm like, oh, what is that song? The lyrics are, you don't need a girlfriend, you need a therapist. It's called Therapist. It's a really great song. (laughs) Um. I had that too. Like sometimes it's like, well, when you're in a relationship, you help each other get better. And it's like, I didn't want to abandon them. I just wanted them to get help. Sometimes like, well, you tried really, really hard. Mm-hmm. You got to It's not a one way street. At some point you can't work harder than the other person is yep. for your, their own healing. Yep. Um, this happens a lot in romantic relationships where the, abused individual becomes so emotionally protective over the abuser that they start to endure the abuse to please the abuser. Um, Number four is explaining almost everything away. So things like um, it doesn't hurt them because they're bad, but because I deserved it, I wasn't nice that day, or he was jealous, I would be too. Under a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. He didn't really mean it. He was drunk. Mm -hmm. He'd never do that if I hadn't fill in the blank. Yeah. I Um, feel like this is, I don't want to say like more common than I knew, but like every single one of these, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This was so helpful when I used to pull this out in Mm -hmm. groups Mm -hmm. and it was so good in like a group setting because the more someone would be like, oh, well, yeah, I used to do this. The more other people would be like, well, yeah, this one, like I really connected with this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Five is protecting the abuser. So like standing up for the abuser, going against people who really care. So when your mom is like, hey, I'm really worried about you, like he kind of like he's not treating you right. Well, I didn't want him to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Or like, well, you don't understand. He's been really stressed out. It's not usually like this. You don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, six is allowing the abuse to continue to please the abuser. So things like trying to like not create more problems or being scared of walking away. So you stay in the situation as long as you can. Mm -hmm. So like you don't want to hurt the other person by leaving. You don't want to hurt the other person by um, standing up for yourself. So you don't, because like maybe that'll make things better. Maybe they'll be like glad that you didn't say no, or you didn't walk away and that'll somehow over time make things better or Mm -hmm even really maybe like you've learned after a certain amount of time, like standing up for yourself doesn't help. Yeah. And so you just kind of like wait for it to be over. Yeah. I guess the, I mean, I understand that it's just like an article in wording, but almost with that one, like allowing the abuse to continue doesn't seem like language that like, I I would never tell like a survivor, like you allowed Mm -hmm. that to happen for any particular reason. Sometimes 
I mean, I understand, like, sometimes survivors might, I don't want to say, like, provoke, but, like, Mm -hmm. can feel that the tension is building, and then we'll do something to, like, break the tension so that it's, like, expected rather than... Right. Like, you know, like, I get to control when it's going to happen. Like, I know it's coming, and I know it's going to be bad, Mm -hmm. but, like, I'd rather do this this today than tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which, which is, like, such... An incredible, like, an intelligent coping skill mm-hmm. in so many situations. But, like, something about, like, the allowing it to happen, I'm kind of like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't notice that when I read through it. Um, I do think sometimes once you have, like, a certain amount of distance from the relationship, you can be like, I did kind of let this go on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, was you <sighs> Allowing just feels like... Yeah. Like excuse me alexandria and you're like oh yes please pass mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or like may i blah, blah, blah. and then like oh yes like that feels like i allowed you to reach past me mm-hmm. or i allowed you to get this from yeah it, or, it minimizes the you leave you die yeah thing which is yeah. very real for a lot of people who are like in mm-hmm. the thick of it when, so like, sometimes quote unquote like allowing the abuse to happen is like a survival skill Mm -hmm. or it's like you're biding your time. It's not just like, Oh, you wanted to hit me. Please go ahead. (laughs) Mm -hmm. May I? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's not. I think that happens sometimes though, not necessarily exactly like that, but Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's like, I'm not going to fight back because this other person will feel better if I don't. Yeah. Um, which I don't know that there's like an awareness in their head that that's happening, but I think some survivors could probably look back and be like, oh no, I totally did that. Mm-hmm. There's just know. something about the word allowing that is just, it feels, it feels almost like there's too much of like a mutual agreement. Yeah. They're giving the survivor it. more power than they really had yeah. in the situation. Which I don't want to like take power away from the survivor, but it just, it feels so much like, when it when it's allowing, it feels like one person is asking for permission, and the mm-hmm. person giving permission is the one with the power. When it's right, no one's asking. For <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seven is wearing multiple hats. So the example for this is um, mostly with like children who are abused, who will be like the caregiver to the younger children and then the teacher to the kids who are struggling with school and like a surrogate parent and a babysitter um, in a romantic relationship. This could look like taking on the role of like therapist for your abuser. Or sometimes I feel like I hear some like mothering Mm -hmm. tendencies in some relationships where I'm like, that's not, that doesn't have to be your role. Like you don't need to be teaching these lessons to a partner. Mm -hmm. Um, so playing multiple roles can result in a lack of identity and feeling overwhelmed. And a lot of children who have to do that will lose their childhood prematurely and then end up developing into depressed, anxious, and suicidal adults. I don't like hugs and I want to give them a hug. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of important to let kids be kids. Yeah. Um, 
eight is covering negative emotions in the presence of abu- of the abuser. So if like you had a really bad day and you're sad and you're crying and the abuser comes in the house singing, like you wipe your tears and you're like, oh, I'm in such a good mood. Mm-hmm. Or if like you're having a great day and you're really feeling it um, and you walk in and the abuser is really sad, like you tone down your happiness and match their mood. Like you never get to really feel what you're feeling. You always match the mood in the house. Would it also be like, say that you and I were in a relationship and I'm like, oh, I'm having a really hard time. Are we like, not? Well, I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if I were like, oh, I'm having a really hard day, but like, I can't really place it. And then you come in and you're like, I'm having the worst day. I broke my toe and my seahorse died and then it's like oh shoot. no not the seahorses not, not the seahorses uh-huh. <laughs> then it's just like i'm like oh shoot i can't be like i can't feel this because they're feeling worse so not just like even like i'm feeling happy you're feeling sad so i'm gonna feel sad mm-hmm. but like i feel sad but you're you have to feel sadder so i just i'm gonna like erase my sad feelings for the sake of yeah I don't think that's in here, but that makes a lot of sense to me. That was a genuine question. Um, I mean, I'm not an expert. I don't know. I'm not a licensed professional counselor. Right? <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant. That's I don't know Alexandria, what. and she's not a licensed professional counselor. I am not. This is Alexandria, and I accidentally became a social worker. Relatable. <laughs> I'm really good at it. It's fine. <laughs> Um, I have several emails from clients recently that are like, you're so good at your job. Please continue doing it. I'm like, I'm leaving in four weeks, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The point is that like, you never get to feel what you're actually feeling. You're always trying to match the other person because that's safer. Mm-hmm. Um, and because like their emotions take the forefront of mm-hmm. everything. The last sign is desiring love and affection despite being hurt. So this is where it comes in that it's like the person desires the love and affection of the abuser so much that they'll do anything to achieve it. Um, And it's like the only love and affection they want is from that specific person, Mm -hmm. um, which is really sad. Um, But they compared it to this article compares it to suicide bombers that, um, like the motivation behind that is usually religious dedication um, or to be accepted by people who support those behaviors. And the person who wrote this article said that they had a client once who said that she would kill herself if her boyfriend of four years told her to do it. Like you'll do anything to please this other person to get their love and affection and acceptance. Um, so there are some risk factors and also some protective factors around things like trauma bonding and abuse, and then also the complex trauma that can come from experiencing multiple risk factors or multiple types of abuse. Okay. So most of these risk factors we've probably already talked about in other episodes. They're things you already know. They're things that co-occur with abuse frequently. Sure. Uh, low socioeconomic status, substance abuse, whether that's yourself or someone else in your household. Um, I think having a parent who is addicted to a substance is an adverse childhood experience. I think so. Um, 
poor mental health or emotional reactivity, financial difficulties, poor coping style, others' reactions to the trauma, not having a support system, lack of employment, being bullied or harassed, living in situations that increase one's exposure to trauma, low self-esteem, lack of identity, domestic violence, poor academic performance, and homelessness. A lot of these things like seem like something that like if you're experiencing one, you're probably experiencing several. Yeah. Um, Pretty co-occurring. Yep. So this can, when you're experiencing multiple risk factors, it can trigger complex trauma, which then leads to usually like years and years of therapy, um, similar to like post-traumatic stress disorder. But there are protective factors that can help you build a layer of resilience. I have a real quick question before we get to that. Yes. Okay. So when it comes to this like trauma bonding that we're talking about, mm-hmm. is it specifically like domestic violence trauma bonding or is it like, um, I don't know, for example, like I'm in the military and you're in the military mm-hmm. and we've both been through this really traumatic, like war zone experience together and we've like bonded together because we both experienced that trauma or is are like the things and the risk factors that you've talked about are the like nine types pretty specific trauma bonding to domestic violence so i think there's i want to say there's two types of trauma bonding Mm -hmm. i think there's bonding to someone else when you go through the same experience Mm-hmm. Um, like how you and I trauma bonded through the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's trauma bonding where like you bond to the person abusing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind I'm talking about that this article talks about. So I think there's just different kinds. Yeah. Because what brings this up is the bachelor, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which I will explain. Mm-hmm. We, there was just, Okay, this whole episode, Katie the Bachelor is doing a great job. But like a lot of them are starting out their stories with like Katie has shared stories about a sexual assault that you experienced. Like mm-hmm. multiple of them have shared stories about like my parent died at this age or like I dealt with this when it comes to like substance abuse or something like that. And naturally, as I'm watching The Bachelorette, I'm also looking at Twitter to see what like the public has to say about things so that I can yeah. form my own opinions based on other opinions that people have. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is just like trauma bonding, which it's like, I do think that sometimes there can be some sort of like false sense of intimacy when it's just like, Hi, my name is Kira. Here's my deepest, darkest secret and traumas. <laughs> yes. And um, would that would you call that something different than trauma bonding? Like, would you correct Twitter about the Bachelorette? <laughs> I don't think I know enough to say that. Mm-hmm. So there's bonding to your abuser. There's bonding to someone else who goes through the same experience as you. Mm-hmm. Like, our friendship absolutely deepened because of the pandemic. Yeah. Like, I don't. I'm so glad we became friends like we did. I think it's a very legitimate friendship. I'm not trying to say that it's just based on a trauma bond. Well, um, I think I get you. <laughs> I think we got close really fast mm-hmm. because like we kind of had no choice. Every day we were completely dramatic. And also, as we talked about, sometimes I can talk in the extremes. And like, well, <laughs> we survived another day in the apocalypse together. Those diary entries were hilarious. <laughs> I don't know why I took on an accent. <laughs> To survive the apocalypse, right. but yeah. It felt right. Um, 
And there's like a certain bond that you get when like you go through a similar natural disaster, the same mm-hmm. natural disaster as someone else. Um, like it can kind of pull communities together. Um, I think it's different. I would call it boundary problems. <laughs> I might too. Like, I understand uh, that now that I've had to bring the bachelorette into Mm-hmm. just about every episode of the podcast as you should there is i it's almost not trauma bonding like capital t tap, capital b but just like here's my trauma so that you feel like close to me mm-hmm. i was it's, vulnerable it's you vulnerable. like me now please exchange your vulnerability which is part of building a close relationship mm-hmm. they also have very limited time that's true uh, flaw in the show um, in the just really the overall premise of it, I think, but it it Listen, works for I'm some people, I guess. Once I get to a certain age, we'll talk about it. Follow me on Instagram so that I have the clout necessary to make it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the podcast will get you there. Maybe please like and follow our podcast. <laughs> um, for the Bachelor, <laughs> I will absolutely be there for the wrong reasons. I'm never okay. getting on the show now. You're so pretty. Somebody has to be there for the wrong reasons, or where does the or drama come from? Where's the villain? I'd do a great job. You absolutely would. Continue. We've okay. made this about me. Protective factors. <laughs> um, having a support system, financial stability, having good emotional and psychological health, positive coping skills. I don't like the whole like positive negative coping skills thing, but I think what they're yeah. trying to say is have a coping skill that you can manage. Yeah. Coping skills that maybe don't have long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, connectedness with the community, such as school, church, or youth or support groups, social or familial connections, education or academic achievement, employment and problem solving skills. Um, and there was a conference I went to on child abuse where they talked about how really all it takes is like one adult in a child's life mm-hmm. to help them build resilience. Like one person who listens to them and cares for them and makes them feel safe. And like that makes a huge difference in a child's life, regardless of what else they're going through. Mm-hmm. So be the one was the theme of that conference. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I did too. It's good. I don't like to collect cups, like plastic cups from places, but I kept but that, you had one. that one. That's yeah. fair. It's important. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. That's what I know about children who are. That's not everything I know about children who <laughs> abuse. There's a lot more, but that's what traumatic bonding looks like. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to us ch- chat about trauma bonding. As always, let us know if you have any topic suggestions we can research and get opinionated on. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Overreaction Podcast. That's O-V-A-R-Y Action Podcast. You can comment or DM us there for topic suggestions. You can like our Facebook, also at Overreaction Podcast. And if you like what you heard, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to podcasts right now to get notified whenever we post. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends so that we can empower more women to be opinionated on these topics. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.